What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Welcome into the Diamond Balls podcast on GoBalls247.com, a breaking news edition of the podcast because on this Thursday, Tennessee has added two transfer commitments. Just when you thought Tony Vitello was getting it all done in the transfer portal, he goes out and adds even more to, to put an exclamation point on the offseason, and I'm, I'm sure they're not done yet either. Uh, but on this Thursday, Tennessee has picked up commitments from uh, a big name in Clemson infielder transfer Billy Amick, uh, and Tennessee has also added Missouri infielder uh, Dalton Bargo, and and both guys can play multiple positions, and we'll certainly uh, dive into that. We'll, we'll we'll dive into them individually, um, but I am joined by Wes Rucker and Will Heflin on this version of the pod. Wes, Will, how are y'all? I'm doing good, man. I, I'm I'm feeling feeling pretty good today, uh, except for the fact that my son got up at 3:26 a.m. Uh, that part was not very fun when he was just like, "I'm up. All right, let's do this. Let's play, Dad, 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 Dad." I'm like, "No, no, sleep, 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 sleep." He won the argument. I'm doing good as well. I am connected today from Atlanta, Georgia, where the Diamond 16U team is doing the the perfect game world wood bat, which is like the big hoorah of the summer. Um, and we were at the East Cobb complex this morning and there were there were, you're starting to see some college coaches walking around. It's kind of that time of year that that age group starting to get recruited. So it's um it's a fun time. I I miss playing. It's not as fun being on on the coaching side of things as when you're in the tournament and get to go through it from that way but it's it's still good to stay connected to the game in this fashion and um having a good time with it so i'm doing well did you see your former coach i did not i think he was uh meeting with with a couple guys like billy amick and and bargo uh i'm sure i'm sure he will be out and about um (laughs) as much as anyone but he was not at my particular location today he probably took his uh, – he got the bat signal in Minnesota for the next Drew Gilbert or something today. So <laughs> Who knows? Well, I asked, Who knows? I asked because there, there was a photo going around on, on social media. A couple of different people sent it to me uh, of him sitting in the stands of, of some recruiting event. I mean, the, he's a madman. He is a madman. I mean, he – he and Josh Elander and, and Frank Anderson recruit the absolute best of the best. They, they already have this top portal class, and uh, they're bringing in a top class this year. Next year's class is ranked number one. The, the class after that is ranked number two. And and, and here he is still sitting in the stands at, at these high school games and, and travel ball games, which tells you exactly why he's such a great recruiter. Uh, but, Will, I, I don't know that he was speaking with Amick today. Or Dalton Bargo because this one this one's been done for for a couple of days now. I've been hinting at it all week and and am kind of surprised that it drug out this long. I was expecting something to pop off on July fourth or July fifth, which would have been Tuesday or Wednesday, which is why I alluded to it uh, in the podcast we recorded earlier this week, reacting to Ryan Galaney uh, and also the Lindsey Nelson Stadium renovations. Uh, but Tennessee just remains on an absolute tear, and uh, we will start with Billy Amick, Mr. Rucker. Uh, he is somebody who had quite the the portal recruitment, from my understanding. Uh, a lot of people immediately tied him to South Carolina, the Gamecocks, because he is from mm-hmm. South Carolina. I did. I did. <laughs> yes, it, and I, I've, I heard from this side of things that uh, – Maybe that was, and I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about everybody who automatically assumed, uh, because there's a lot of that on social media and the message boards. But uh, that that was a, a little too early, uh, and uh, over time, I I believe that it shifted to more of a Tennessee Florida battle. Uh, he was here last week for a visit. Uh, that visit went really really well. Uh, he then went down to Florida and. Uh, I think he enjoyed his time with Florida, but I, I think Tennessee's visit was a, a little bit better. Uh, and then he returned home. 
he was supposed to go to Texas A&M, but he canceled that visit uh, and decided to do an in-home visit with A&M. But they had kind of fallen off at, at that point, in, in my opinion. Uh, and in the midst of A&M falling off, North Carolina kind of made a surge, a, a late surge for Billy Amick uh, there. But ultimately, Tennessee picks or Amick picks Tennessee over South Carolina, over North Carolina, over Florida, over Texas A&M. Could have gone just about anywhere in the country. I think that goes without being said. And uh, there, there's some questions defensively, but offensively, this is one of the most talented bats in the country. Uh, he's He's got a pretty unique story as well in the sense of he didn't enter this past season as a starter. Uh, he didn't become a starter until midway through uh, the year uh, in March in, in a non-conference game against Georgia State uh, entered as a, a pinch hitter there in the, the sixth inning and, and remained in the game and eventually hit a walk-off 446-foot grand slam with two outs to give Clemson a 9-8 to win. It was his first career homer in his 12th career game, uh, and then he goes on to hit 418 with 12 homers, two triples, 17 doubles, 58 RBIs, 36 runs, and a 464 on base percentage in 43 games, 39 of which were starts. So those numbers in, in uh, those few games is pretty, pretty impressive. A team-high 778 slugging percentage. He had 32 out RBIs. I, I love that stat. Uh, 15 multiple RBI games. Uh, he had four three RBI games. He had three four RBI games, and he had two five RBI games as well. So that's a, a heck of a story. Um but it just goes to show that the bat that Tennessee is getting uh, and I think kind of where he plays in the field is is secondary. Well, actually, the, the question as to where he plays in the field isn't really as much of a question. It's more of how will it work out uh, because the plan is for him to play third base. Uh, he's also going to play some second base in the fall, just kind of see how things go. Uh, and we'll we'll come back to that later on yeah. in the pod. So make a mental note of that. But plan is for him to play third base. He, he can play second base. Uh, he can play first, obviously, but I don't see him doing that much at Tennessee, and, and not just because Tennessee has first baseman and, and Blake Burke and some other guys that can play first. Uh, but in part of why he's transferring from Clemson is because he does not want to play first base on, on top of him not really getting along uh, with that coaching staff. So uh, the defense to me is secondary because this bat is as good as it gets in the country, and it's just a massive win uh, for Tennessee in the transfer portal. And pretty crazy that they were able to land this bat after everything else they've been able to land. Yeah, the, the first reason that, that I thought um, I had heard – I don't know if rumblings is the right word or, or, or whatever it is, that, that the people in and around the South Carolina program initially felt really, really good. Like, you know, he went there, they put out all the stops, like even put his name like on local marquees and stuff. Like they, like they went they went all in, and uh, they felt pretty good about throwing that first punch and being able to get him. Um, but then once he didn't commit leaving that visit, I was like, okay, maybe what Ben and other people are saying, maybe there's something to that. Maybe he really is going to kind of let this play out and see where it goes. Um, and, and so it's, it's a big addition for Tennessee. But, I mean, th- this is this is like the next version of Gorilla Ball. Like, bring it on. I mean, I mean th- this is – when, when you think of Tennessee baseball right now, the past few years, uh, you think of a lot of things, but you think of power, right? You think of power. You think of power arms. You think of power home runs. You think of big numbers, big strikeout numbers, big home run numbers, big big run numbers. And, and this offense that they are assembling on paper is stupid. It is absolutely stupid how many – I mean, you're replacing some big quality bats in that lineup. Um, so there's no question about that. And they'll have to blend in together and we'll see how it fits. And we'll talk about defensive stuff later, but just the number of power bats in this lineup is stupid. The number of combinations they can throw at you both right and left is stupid. And if everybody on this team gets on board with it, does that whole team over me thing and just wants to go out there and annihilate things this team will have the artillery to do that. And if this team has, I don't think it'll struggle pitching because it just never does at Tennessee and there's some big arms coming back. But if there's a case, like as Tennessee's been what, number one ERA nationally last year, number two this year, if it comes down to, to where it's just like even top 10 or top 15, but it's still like this offense 
will help you offset that and then some. It should on paper. It, it is, uh, and that's assuming that Frank Anderson doesn't sprinkle his magic dust on this and keep them in the top five in ERA, which if he does that combined with this power, you've got a team that will be really, really good. So this is great news for Tennessee, and uh, I, I don't know where they'll put them all together, but, damn, this is a lot of firepower. Yeah, and a- Amick's a pure hitter. He's got a really good swing, and the yeah. stat line speaks for itself, not to mention it's in the ACC, which is no slouch of a com- yeah. conference. Um, had a really strong year, especially with, with Wake kind of carrying the load at the top. Um, so it's just a huge win, and we talked about it. Or Wes, you, you mentioned it a couple podcasts ago about swimming with the Sharks yeah. um, in terms of recruiting. They've done a, a magnificent job. When when he got to the program, it was build mode, turn things around mode, and and get to where you're competitive at a level that you want to be competitive at. And he did that in a very short amount of time. But it's it's almost harder to continue that and to not just be a flash in the pan. And wins like this over South Carolina, over Florida, wins with – Griffin Merritt over 70 schools wins with uh, Galaney over, you know, everybody wanted that guy. I forget who he came down to. Oh, it was a uh, Virginia and Vanderbilt. You're, you're winning those recruiting battles and it just speaks to where you are as a program. Um, and it, it's like that in football. I mean, you don't, you don't want to be competing for, for three-star guys with, you know, smaller schools. You want to be winning four and five stars when their final three are Tennessee, Georgia, and Ohio State. That's when you know where you're at as a program, and that's what we're seeing right now. And he's just absolutely dominating the portal. It's like every big guy, every big name that we've mentioned, we've gotten all of them. The only one we don't have yet is Holman. And as soon as we announced that, or Amick announced that he was coming, everybody's on Twitter going, all right, perfect. Check him off the list. Now go get Holman. It's like Operation Holman, yeah. The the rich are getting richer and it's just it's amazing. I don't know how they're doing it because if you're if you're a transfer prospect and you see other high-end transfers going to places, then you may think that you may need to go somewhere else so you have more of an opportunity to play, but they're just they're just stacking talent on talent. And like you guys said, it'll be interesting to see how it all fits together. Um, and I'm sure he will have to tweak and dial and, you know, they won't be a finished product in February by any means, but it's going to be there. It's, it's, it's in the locker room. It's in the, it's in the dugout and they'll, um, you know, they'll have to, to mesh and mold, but it's, it's certainly there. It is. And, and there are several notes that I jotted down that I want to come back to uh, and have a, a more big picture conversation about, but before we dive into big picture and, and kind of looking at the team as a whole moving forward, do need to talk about Dalton Bargo, uh, who is an under the the radar addition. And, and before I do get into Bargo, I, I do want to give uh, the scout on uh, Mr. Amick. I, I've been providing these, these scouts, these scouting reports that, that I've been picking up, uh, throughout the portal season. What I got on Amick is that he is an RBI machine with top-of-the-class power potential uh, with a hit tool to match. He has advanced athleticism and strength. He hammers off-speed pitches. He's played first base and DH. Third base is where he wants to play, uh, and the plan could be to play a little bit of second base. Uh, he oozes quiet confidence. I like I like that last one, oozes quiet confidence. Uh, and then Dalton Bargo, I, I think, is the the sneaky addition that not many people uh, are talking about. If if you are a Go Balls twenty four seven subscriber, uh, you have been aware of Dalton Bargo's name for a week and a half, two weeks uh, at this point. But Bargo was a freshman at Missouri this this past season uh, and put up some some pretty good numbers uh, for a guy who was a freshman playing in the SEC, uh, and Missouri's lineup could actually swing it uh, a little bit this season. You've seen two Missouri players uh, transfer to Arkansas. I believe they're catcher and an outfielder, or maybe they're two outfielders. Is Wilmsmeyer, was he center fielder or was he the catcher? Uh, He was, I believe Wilmsmeyer was an outfielder, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I think you're right, the center field, and then they have another Missouri outfielder going to to Arkansas as well, uh, which is telling of, of the 
uh, Slovich. What Ross yeah. Slovich was that his name? Yep. He's he's the other one or going J- to Arkansas. Yeah, J- wait, Jackson Slovich. Trying, I'm trying to remember which one it is. They had a Lovich. It was something Slovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it tells you to my point that Missouri actually had a, a pretty nice offense this season, um, and, and he put up good numbers in it. He, he played in 50 games, made 45 starts. Uh, Bargo hit 279, hit five home runs, 23 RBIs, uh, in just 165 at bats. Uh, he scored 25 runs. He hit six doubles, three triples. He drew 19 walks, had an OBP on base percentage of 379 and a slugging percentage of 442. He's a left-handed hitting catcher. Uh, he had 11 multi-hit games, which was fourth most on the team. He had a pair of three-hit games. He had six multi-RBI games, and he uh, he had a really good weekend against yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, when he Tennessee did. got swept uh, by Missouri. He went four for ten. He had a three-run home run off of Chase Burns. Yeah. He had four RBIs, uh, and he is committing as we speak. So I'm going to go ahead and, and turn this story uh, loose. And Wes, I, I'll t- throw it to you while I put this stuff on Twitter in, in real time. Uh, he's another big power back going in the lineup. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's another big option, another another good swinger from the left side. So you know Tennessee needed to add some some right hand bats in this lineup. I know that was something that I talked about in, until people threw up last year, but it was a it was a deficiency. It's been addressed in a big way. Um, but but there's nothing wrong with adding another bat from the left side. That's a good that's a good bat, a, a good a good guy who can who can play a lot of different spots and can do, do different things for you. And what I really like about this one is that this is a kid who and they all wanted to come to Tennessee because or else they wouldn't be transferring to Tennessee but this kid as i understand it really 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 wanted to come to Tennessee like it was like as much as it was Tennessee seeking out him it was him seeking out Tennessee like he whatever he saw he liked a lot and said i want to be a part of this and you cannot have enough of those guys in your clubhouse guys that are just like all in from day one uh, that helps a lot of things. That helps chemistry, camaraderie. That that helps the desire that people have. Uh, there, there, there's a lot to to say about guys who really want to be there. And that, uh, just as a first impression, to me, says a lot about the kid that he was for whatever reason. And I'm sure he's talked about it before, and he'll talk about it again. But just how badly he wanted to be at Tennessee, I think that's a big deal. And again, they're just the the class they're building here. Um, you know, the, the this recruiting class of high school and JUCO kids is a really good class, um, but it's not like one of those absolutely top dog elite ranked classes that Tennessee is going to have the next couple of years. This year was a bit of a, it was a solid year and we'll see how they develop, but it was a class that certainly could stand to be supplemented a little bit. If you want to be like a traditional top of the sec class and well, by God, now that's, now that's here. They've done that. Yeah. And I think he, he definitely is under the radar right now just because of of Amick and Galani and um, Peebles, but I think there's something to be said about playing in 50 games and starting 45 of them as a mm-hmm. freshman. And 279, you know, doesn't sound like 350, but I hit in the SEC as a freshman and I didn't sniff 279. And you know, he's obviously a better hitter than me, um, but I think I think one of the big factors here is that he's. Um, got at least two years in the program um, before he'll be uh, draft eligible, and unless he's old, if if he is, correct me um, if he's eligible next year. But I don't you know, know assuming he he's a, assuming he's going as a junior, you got two years with him, and he showed potential and and played a lot of games as a freshman in the Southeastern Conference, which is very very valuable experience, regardless of of where it was at. Um, being in Missouri is not, you know, the the stereotypical SEC environment, but he played in all those other environments. And um, I think it's a nice ad. I think it's a really nice ad. He's playing summer baseball in the Appalachian League, I believe. Um, so he's not too far. Hopefully we uh, hopefully we get him on campus and, and get him assimilated extremely quickly. And I think, you know, like you said, big for the locker room for somebody that really wants to be there. Um, and I'm all for it. Yeah, picking up where I left off and, and appreciate that. Sorry, I had to stop uh, mid-thought. Uh, there, there's some real-time uh, peek behind the curtain. Of, You're of seeing sausage on. being made. Enjoy it. Yeah, so I, I'd been waiting on Dalton uh, to announce this afternoon 
Uh, we're recording this at 3.30, right in the middle of him announcing, obviously. Uh, spoke to him this morning. Uh, was was a, a real joy uh, to, to discuss or to talk to. Uh, like Will mentioned, he's up uh, in Kingsport right now in East Tennessee playing for the Kingsport Mets of uh, the Appy League. And, and he's a guy that uh, came down last week. I believe I mentioned this earlier in the week on the pod, but came down for a day visit. Uh, really enjoyed his time. Uh, and loved Elander, uh, loved Vitello. Um, and we have a, a story up right now about his decision to pick Tennessee and, and some thoughts. And I have another story that I, I'm going to finish as soon as we get done recording this podcast and, and we'll be out uh, about him, you know, wanting to embrace and not wanting to already embracing the competition that Tennessee is about to have. Uh, at Lindsey Nelson Stadium this fall, it, it's pretty ridiculous. So they have a ton of catchers and a ton of guys who can play uh, third base, first base, right field, left field, uh, a, a ton of guys uh, w- with a lot of juice in the bat. So that's going to be a fun competition, and uh, that's something that I want to talk about lately or later on in the pod that, that that's really going to benefit them, uh, in my opinion. I, I think that's going to bring out the best in everybody, uh, quite frankly, and, and be good for everybody. But uh, I wanted to pass along uh, what the scout was on Bargo uh, as well. Uh, and that's that he is a middle of the order bat. Um, he's a versatile defender, uh, can play all four corner spots as well as catch, uh, has spent time at first base in SEC play. Uh, he he has a frame that's going to add strength and he has more power on the way. Uh, great kid and great teammate. So, uh, I'm. I think this is a sneaky, sneaky addition. Uh, I mean, the the stats kind of speak for themselves. I heard Will say that uh, playing in the SEC as a freshman. I mean that that's that's no small thing. That that that's significant. Uh, and and he did it well. Uh, and, and had some big moments against big time uh, competition. He spoke to me uh, about how he got frustrated. Uh, that at times he was the DH and and when he would struggle at the plate, because obviously as a hitter, you go through struggles that he wasn't able to go out into the field and and help the team uh, in other ways when he wasn't uh, in the lineup as a position player or playing in the field. uh, And he was only the DH. So he said that he's excited to, to get to Tennessee and and play just about any position. He, He doesn't care what position it is. If it's that position, this position, a lot of guys will can speak to this. There's a lot of egos in baseball and guys want to play their position. I'm the third baseman. That's my spot. Uh, Dalton Bargo does not care. He he just wants to help Tennessee win. Uh, He's viewed first and foremost as a catcher uh, and and he is excited to to work uh, with Josh Elander. But if it's left field, right field, first base, third base, he he doesn't care what position it it is. He just wants to help the team. Uh, and we'll see how he progresses defensively. I, I don't know one way or the other kind of where he is at right now. I'm just saying that he's viewed more as a bat, and it's a great bat to have in the lineup. But, Wes, what I really like about him, on top of me thinking that it is a sneaky bat to pick up, I just love the mindset of embracing the competition. Yep. He's the sixth or seventh guy they, they've added now. Uh, I mean, Ryan Galaney, Cannon Peebles, Billy Amick, I mean, it, it, that those are the bats that they've added, and it's like, he, he, I don't care. Like, bring on the competition. I, I'm here for it, and I'm, I don't have an ego about where I'm going to play. Yeah, did you say where he was from earlier, by the way? He is from Omaha, Nebraska. He, uh, he said he was born in Iowa, uh, and he he moved to somewhere in Kansas, uh, Manhattan, Kansas, uh, after being born in Iowa, and then he moved to Omaha when he was five, and obviously – he, he grew up going to games all the time at, at the Men's College World Series, and, and he's hoping, and it's a goal and a dream to get back and, and play in front of his friends and family somewhere where he grew up going so much. Yeah, also, just, I just wanted to hit this button, too. Omaha! I wanted to hit the Omaha button. Um, yeah, the uh, no, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but in a different way, like just, just to say this bluntly, Tennessee has brought in a tremendous amount of catchers and corner infield, outfield players in this portal, uh, and a lot of them are big sticks. And and those were areas that Tennessee wanted to fortify. Those are areas that Tennessee has fortified. This kid, no one would think any ill of this kid if he saw all these additions and went, yeah, I really wanted to go there, but I I, I also want to play. Like, I'm a guy who started 45 games in last season as a freshman in the SEC. Um, but he's like, no, I, I don't care. Uh, it reminds me in a different way of when um, – 
it, it was uh, Jonathan Crompton as the football quarterback at Tennessee. When he committed, it was the year after Ainge and Schaefer were both freshman starters, and he had been committed to Tennessee. He was a top prospect, and he said, no, like I, I, I don't care about that. I'm going to go there and beat them out. And, and that was his mentality. And if, he, if Crompton hadn't had that mentality, I don't know that he would have been able to overcome all of the – poor play and hate and things that he did to put up a really good final season with Kiffin because of that mentality, kind of a mentality king. And and I think that I like a kid who, A, knows where he wants to go, says he wants to go there, and then does not give a flip about who else is going there because he wants to go there and compete. I think that says a lot about the kid. Yeah, and it'll it'll add to the competition in the fall, and that's a guy you want pulling the rope in your direction – um, when you're playing the other teams, because if he's not scared to compete for his job, he's certainly not scared to compete against his opposition. So, um, yeah, say it again, mentality king, love it. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of reasons for for Tennessee fans uh, to be excited uh, about it, and I also think that there's a, a new portal king in, in college baseball. No, I, I misspoke. I was good. I was making the point that there's a new portal king in college athletics, and we're going to discuss that on the other side of this break. Money! MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season, and so are we. I'm Tori Deal, and I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars Four is finally here, and this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast, a breaking news edition of the pod because Tennessee has had yet another big day in the portal, picking up Billy Amick from Clemson, arguably the most popular name in the portal th- this offseason. Uh, and, and then also I, P- Peebles might have been higher, but uh, I but think it's Billy close. Amick it's was. close. I don't think it was. I think Amick was by far the most popular guy. Will, you're, you're the judge here. What do you think? Um. People I'm know sorry. Billy Amick from the postseason. They they don't know. Yeah. They didn't know Cannon Peebles. Well, well, for Tennessee, yeah. But the most popular guy in the portal is is uh, leaving Tennessee. That uh, touche, touche. That that's a good point. We'll stump this both. Well played. Sorry. Well played. Well sir. played. Well played. But after Chase Burns, we got the we got two and three. We got two and three. One two A and two B. Yeah. Yes. But yes. Two guys that want to be volunteers. That That is right. It, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Tony Vitello uh, is probably hanging out with, with Morgan Wallen or on his way to, to celebrate with Morgan Wallen in, in some form or fashion. Uh, before we talk about the new Portal King, that's right, Lane Kiffin, I said it. Uh, before we talk about Mr. Vitello, I uh, would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, Wes, Tony Vitello is a new portal king, right? Got to be, yeah. Uh, I mean, he. Uh, we we've said this a lot for the past several years. Either written stories about it or talked about it on different podcasts when we had different podcasts, or now when we're on the same one. Like it, it's, he speaks a language that kids understand and like. He just does. Like he's forever young at heart, I suppose, uh, which helps. And, and he just he he recruits like an absolute maniac. You know, Cam Sewell said it last week on this same podcast that he he has no idea. And Griffin Merritt says it in one we're going to release later. Like he 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 talks about how it's hard to understand how he recruits as much as he does. Like how he's able. It's like he's in two or three places at once, 
And it's that sort of like maniacal drive um, that it's that that whole what that hustle culture, right? You know, the, the the grind culture, whatever it is, he's got it. And they also do, I think, a pretty good job of identifying guys who are their kinds of guys. Um, because if, you know, Will's mentioned it several times, pulling the rope, same direction. And to do that, when you're around people as much as they're around each other, uh, you you have to be – you don't have to have like a hive mentality, but you kind of have to be like-minded. You know, it, it, you all have to be pulling in the same direction or have the same type of personality traits at the end of the day. And they are very good at identifying their kinds of people. Uh, and, and you know, sometimes like with a Burns, like you get one who maybe is a little bit different and, you know, there, there's there's communication issues and other things. But by and large, they've gotten guys who are not only really good players but but – have the same mentality they do and that helps everybody go in the same direction. Yeah. And the other side of that coin is you can scout talent 24 hours a day, but if you don't have a knack for evaluating it and seeing like almost looking into the future, of course it's an inexact science. You can't hit it a hundred percent, but they have a way of seeing kids for what they could be rather than what they are with developments like Jared Dickey, with developments like Garrett Crochet. Um, they just have a way of doing that, doing that. And then part three is actually getting them to commit to your school. Like that's the main part of recruiting is when you have somebody that you like is making a pitch, making a sales pitch, and then honoring that pitch and being able to do that consistently so that you get good recruits when you first get here and then you come continue to do that because your reputation as a coach is he did everything he said he was going to do and more. Um, and so that's, that's the ultimate part of it. And they've, they're obviously really good at all three phases. Um, but it's just, I mean, you can, you can go sit and watch every single game you want to, but if you can't do anything with it, then it doesn't really matter. Um, so it's just, it's just interesting to see how they just kind of pick guys from, middle of Oklahoma and Dryling and Stillwater, Minnesota and Drew Gilbert, um, you know, and just random, random places that they seem to have studs show up. And then again, you're winning battles with the Sharks. So it's impressive. It is. And, you know, Dalton Bargo for Tennessee fans is a name that kind of flew under the radar uh, because everybody was so focused on Billy Amick. And and we already talked about uh, Luke Coleman, the Alabama pitcher. Um, but Dalton Bargo is a, a guy that picked Tennessee over Ole Miss, who won the national championship last summer. Texas, who is one of top three, top five all-time baseball brands in college baseball. And Nebraska, his home state team. So uh, he flies under the radar for Tennessee fans. But, I mean, that's still Tennessee swimming with the Sharks there with, with Ole Miss and uh, and Texas and like I, I forgive me, I'm not up to date on Ole Miss's catching depth or or Texas's catching depth. Will, but uh, I know they didn't land Cannon Peebles and, and <laughs> Cannon Peebles on top of Cal Stark coming back and and some other guys as as well. Like it, it's an it's impressive. I mean, it's very similar to Josh Heupel going out this recruiting cycle and and landing Jake Merklinger, uh, a four star quarterback from the back to back national champions backyard. When they just landed Nico Eal Maliava, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, and it's why I believe at some point uh, Tony V is going to win a national championship at Tennessee because he is recruiting at a ridiculous level, and that's on top of the culture that's already been set, and there there's a foundation. I think what we're seeing now will, and, and we've already kind of known it the last year, year and a half, but this solidifies that Tennessee baseball is currently a national brand and they they need to, to put some hardware in the trophy case. There's no doubt about that, but I mean, they're, they're competing with anybody and everybody at any given time. They are. And I kind of skipped over it, but I, I feel like we just have to say it um, to be realistic and to be, I'm not ready to crown him transfer King yet because and we keep bringing them up, and I hate it, but they did just win the national championship. LSU won the national championship with Paul Skeens, a transfer, Tommy White, a transfer, 
they got Braswell. I don't know who else they got. Um, so we're, you know, for, for next year. One, the, the one guy that Tennessee has missed on is that lefty from Xavier that Tennessee wanted. Yeah, they got him. And then they also, um, last year they brought in Christian Little from Vanderbilt and he didn't end up coming, but, um, the shortstop from Vanderbilt as well. Uh, young, the switch hitter, um, Carter Young. So as much as it pains me to say it, and you know, if you're listening and, and, you know, just know I'm on our team. I'm just saying we, I agree with you, Ben, we got to put hardware in the, in the trophy case before we crown ourselves transfer Kings. As much as it pains me to say it, you got to give it to Jay Johnson as of 2023, but headed into 2024, we are winning the battle this summer. And and we should. We we just lost in in the College World Series and they won. So we're doing what is necessary to get to that next level. Yes. I I don't disagree with you. Now I will say that Tennessee made the final four uh with Zane Denton, Maui Ahuna, Griffin Merritt, final five. Mr. Mr. Literal over there. Will, are, are we going to have to take your VFL card away to, today no. for, for, no for one, spitting all these facts? No one could ever do that. I am just so bought into the program thick and thin that I also have to be realistic and, and not get tunnel vision, which is really hard because it's easy to come on here and yep. give them the flowers and you know say everything's going to be gravy, but it's just not. It's hard. It's really hard, and there's programs that have done it for decades and decades in this sport, and we did it at one time, but we didn't do it for a really long time, and now we're trying to do it again, so there's still ground to make up at the end of the day. You know, you're, you're totally right, and Wes, it, it it's more of a, a fun conversation to have yes. than anything. I, I completely agree with, with Will. I mean, it's hard not to dispute what he said about Jay Johnson, um, but I also think that you can point out that Tennessee made it almost as as far as LSU with with several transfers uh, last year as well. And then with the whole Lane Kiffin thing, that that was kind of tongue in cheek. I mean, that guy is he is recruiting the portal at Ole Miss like Tony is at Tennessee. And there are some similarities in the personalities too there. So I, I think some. so 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 that I think that that's that's worth noting. But some. yeah, no, and I think it's you are never not going to be swimming with the sharks in the southeastern conference. Uh, and, and guys, in, in just a year, what one year, two more really good programs are coming into the league, and one of them, Texas, has been to Omaha more than anyone else has ever been to Omaha. So that's another sort of that's another spike thrown right in the way of your tires there. I mean, that's some some caltrops or whatever sitting there on the on, on the road. So it's never gonna be simple um and and you know like this season for instance i talked about this earlier but tennessee has able been able to offset it um but when you look at recruiting rankings which are not the end-all be-all the next two years for tennessee look out of this world this season looked like a really good class however some had it like in the bottom half of the sec in terms of coming in so so that tells you know and 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 that doesn't mean that's where it's going to end up because maybe they're just evaluating guys better than other people but um to go and fortify that with a class like this, I mean, it just shows you this guy sees what his program needs and he targets it. And I think it's worth mentioning that it's not this is not this is not unimportant either. This is important. Look at the transfers he brought in last season. Look at where they ended up fitting, how important they ended up being to the team, how often they played. He knew what his team needed. And he went out and he got it. And he was a, he and his staff were able to find, assemble, put together a team that by the end of the year was a very good team. I mean, LSU was a better team. Let's just call it what it is. And Florida probably was too, but a really, really good baseball team. And he knew this season what his team was lacking. He absolutely knew it. He knew got to get more right-handed bats, got to get a few more options, got to be able to mix and match later in games, got to have more guys to go to in different spots. Uh, and he's targeted that. Now what he needs to do now, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do it because it's hard, is find a shortstop. That is a really, really big priority, and they're going to have to um, ev- fight everybody else for anything else that looks like a table scrap coming from shortstop in the portal. It's just there's not a ton of them this year because when they are really good, they're not. They're usually staying exactly where they are um, because if they're – They're if like they're, catchers. Yeah, if they're not starting somewhere – 
than a shortstop, then they're starting at second base somewhere, or they're starting at third base somewhere. They're in the lineup and and they're going. And and so that is interesting. I don't know how they're going to piece that together. I if you're going to play some different guys at second base, maybe another topic for another day. I would move Christian Moore to the outfield before I would move him to shortstop. Um, but they do need to figure out something there because if the rest of the lineup's really good. You can maybe put someone like Jazz Love there, and you can deal with the fact that he's not going to be a, a big hitter. You can maybe get away with that because Jordan Thompson, other than the one big hit in Omaha, did not hit a, he he didn't hit anything when he was there. Um, but he made that up for that in the field, and they still won a natty. So I, you know, they got to figure that out. But by and large, my point is he sees what Tennessee needs and he gets it. He does. Ben, and, can and you so, go ahead? I was just going to ask you. Uh, do we have any JUCO shortstops coming in? Yes. Uh, w- there, there's a, a, a young guy named Brad Key Lowry, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he's a JUCO guy coming in. Don't know where off the top of my head. Uh, he's somebody that Tennessee likes. I believe he has a, a smaller frame, though, so he's probably more of a second baseman than than a true shortstop. Um, but I, I do believe he's playing shortstop at his JUCO. I, I think a, a sneaky one to keep an eye on uh, is – is Carson Rucker, uh, yeah, the younger brother, Team younger brother of Jake Rucker. Uh, I I think he's more of a, a corner infielder, but it's also been voiced to me recently that he he's a guy that's capable of playing shortstop at, at this level. So uh, I I do think it's risky to go into a season relying on a true freshman at that position. Uh, and I also think Jake Kendrow, who was a freshman this past season, I like could him. Be a, I like him. I, I like him. I like him. But he he's going to need a really big offseason to 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 be where he needs to be as a starting SEC shortstop uh, at this yeah. level. Uh, same with Austin Jazlov. I mean, he he also needs a, a really big offseason. God, uh, so he can we'll, pick it, though. Man, that kid can pick it. It's just if you could hit a little better, man, he can pick the hell out of it. He, he could. The, the reason I was asking was that's kind of a, a wizard Frank Anderson skill right there. He brought in Ricky Martinez, and he also brought in Liam Spence. So – I wouldn't be super shocked at all to see some Juco uh, guy come in that we haven't talked about and just take over the job and hit mid three hundreds with like two airs the entire year and just be, be an absolute rock because for whatever reason, Frank Anderson, just those Juco shortstops that he brings in from whether it's Arizona or Texas or wherever they get them, um, they end up being some real ballers and just real like, blue collar go to grind out every single ball type of player yeah he's five uh, bradkey lowry is five nine one seventy um and he was at wabash this year and he hit 452 with i think 10 bombs in 60 67 games so he hit 452 that's juco numbers so take them however you want to take them but um he is slight of frame but so are other guys they they like him i just don't know that he's a true bona fide pencil him in at shortstop like you could with Ricky Martinez or Liam Spence coming out of out of Juco and they have some youngsters coming in even on top of of Carson Rucker if Carson makes it to campus we'll we'll see within the next week or so Uh, Dean Curley uh, he's coming in from Laverne California uh, can play all over the field is a premier athlete has a ton of tools Uh, he's a very very slight draft risk I I would say I, I would imagine he makes it to campus uh, he has a really cool personality, uh, not not to be stereotypical, but he's from California and he kind of has that low key Cali vibe with with a, a, a low key confidence to him. Uh, I mentioned earlier with with Amick has a quiet confidence to him. Uh, Curly has some of that to him as well. Uh, and then there's also Blake Grimmer, who is from Spring Lake, Michigan. Uh, Joe Doyle, who joined us. Uh, yesterday on Wednesday on the pod to preview the draft, he brought up uh, Blake Grimmer's name. Uh, he, he He's another name I guess you could keep an eye on. The, I'm more so mentioning these, Dean Curley, Blake Grimmer, and Ariel Antigua. He's a, a, he'll be a freshman from Lake Worth, Florida as well. Those are three youngsters coming in that Tennessee really, really likes, but I don't think that they're going to be ready to play as true freshmen. And even if they are, I still think that's a, a big risk. They – like Ryan Spikes, I guess it was two years ago, uh, he, he was somebody who was capable of, of playing day one and 
like having an impact to where he could be the national freshman of the year, like Drew Beam, like Chase Burns was. Uh, Grimmer, Curly, Antigua, they're probably a, a tier below, which isn't a bad thing. They're, they're really, really nice prospects, but they're they're not that bona fide impacting from day one. Carson Rucker is maybe the one guy that could, Wes. Yeah, you just you think about how important it is. Like, think about for people who have been to the SEC tournament and have been sat there for a week watching games, or if you've been lucky enough to go to Omaha and sit there and watch games for two weeks. If you're sitting there in Hoover, you're sitting there in Omaha, the quality of shortstop consistently in those tournaments is absurd. I mean, these are guys who, I, you know, th- th- there's not one of them I can remember that I was like, that guy's not a good shortstop. It was either that guy's a really good shortstop or that guy's an incredible shortstop. Like even Oral Roberts, man, those guys played defense. Like, like you have to be – it is an offense-heavy league in the SEC – but you have got to have a guy who can pick it all over the place at shortstop. He has got to be a rock. He has got to be really good. And I still don't think people have any idea just how good Ahuna is defensively because he did a lot of things that he made look easy, and they were not easy at all. He just made them look easy because he has an absolute howitzer of an arm for a kid who's like a buck thirty and can go get balls. And despite having a bad back, he at the times he was able to go around and move some things around. So people focused on a couple of little errors he made. They missed, if you were really watching the game, listen to guys like Doyle, how good Ahuna is defensively. That arm is ridiculous. You, you, you might not see another one like that at shortstop in like a decade, even if you're a really good program. It's a huge arm. So, yeah, it's, it's important, and you got to have it. And it's when you're looking at Tennessee right now, I think you would love one more weekend arm if you could find one. And if you could find a shortstop, you'd love that. But you know what? You know who else is looking for another weekend arm and another shortstop? Everybody in the portal. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. And uh, th- there were some interesting names uh, that popped into the portal the, the last day or two. Um, I, I was not familiar with their names, but just kind of looking at the – uh, the the school in which they were coming from, Kendall Rogers was was kind of tweeting them out on, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, again, I wasn't familiar w- with the name when I saw it, but just kind of looking at, at the numbers and, and where they were coming from, uh, kind of hard not to envision somebody else popping up a- as well uh, in addition to Luke Coleman. So I, I'm sure they'd like to add another arm. And uh, I, I think if, if the right shortstop became available – um, they, they would certainly look into taking them. They, they've been keeping an eye on all the middle infielders. They, they had the Jaden Davis kid pop up from Sanford, who's from Cookville. He actually committed to Vanderbilt, or mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, as we say, Mr. Heflin. Yeah. Um, but the, the two last kind of questions I have before we get out of here, they, they kind of coincide with one another, one another. They're separate points, but the overall point that I'm making is like, yes, this is a ton of talent. They're going to produce a ton of runs. Uh, it's going to allow the the pitching staff and the defense a little more leeway. Uh, it, it's going to have a different vibe than this past season, where early first half of the year it felt like uh, the pitching and the defense had to be perfect because the offense was trying to to find its stride. I, I don't think that there will be that adjustment period <laughs> this upcoming season because there will be so much talent in the lineup. But there are two things that Tennessee is going to have to figure out. The defense is obviously one. The defense and uh, where guys are going to play and and if guys are good enough to play at those spots. I think you're going to see a lot of tinkering this fall, which every team does every fall practice. Um, But uh, Billy Amick, he's going to play a little second base just to see how it goes. Dalton Bargo, he he can play right field. He can play left field, uh, can play first base, can play third base. uh, He can catch. Uh, they got him because he is a bat and can play all over. And that's kind of the same thing with Ryan Galaney. He's a bat and can play all over. Bat first for Bargo, uh, Amick, Galaney, and they'll kind of figure out the positions later. Um, but like it, you also have to to figure them out while, while it's also not a detriment to the team in the field. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. And, and Tony, I, I think he's, he's defensive-minded. First and foremost, he was an infielder. Uh, he's not going to sacrifice defense, which is why you saw Christian Scott be moved into the starting right fielder. Uh, you saw Hunter Inslee become the starting center fielder, and he didn't move off of that because the outfield defense improved significantly the moment they put those two guys out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that is something that they're going to have to figure out, Will, on, on the defensive side of things. 
the biggest question mark, I think, with accumulating all this talent, and we just heard Griffin Merritt talk about it on a pod that we recorded right before we press record on this specific one, and that Merritt podcast will come out Friday morning. Um, and, and, I mean, we, we talked about it throughout the season as well. Adding all those transfers and JUCO guys, the, the chemistry and, and the leadership just – it didn't automatically click, and I think that's kind of something teams can look into. I've mentioned this before. Dave Van Horn talked at the SEC tournament about how he brought in a ton of transfers, and they were kind of nervous. Are they going to like each other? Are they going to hate each other? You just don't really know, and they got lucky, Dave Van Horn said, and that they all liked each other, and they all got along really well. And Tennessee didn't dislike one another, but it did take a, a, a period of time for them to gel together and really become – one team so uh, you still have a nice nucleus of guys returning but you're also adding a lot of personalities and and a lot of big time players to the locker room I think what's even more important than figuring out the defense and and not sacrificing the defense is pressing all the right buttons in the fall and in January February leading in the conference play uh, of pressing those right buttons to make sure the chemistry is where it needs to be yeah, well, winning solves a lot of those issues, man. I mean, you look at Arkansas and LSU, the two that come to mind had a lot of impact transfers, and they won a lot of games early. So it's easy to be like, yeah, we like each other. We're winning, you know. And um, I think in regards to the group that we'll have, whether Galaney's a part of it or if it's, um, you know, just the other guys and then our returners and freshmen and JUCO guys, that stuff all kind of takes care of itself. Um, because unfortunately you're going to have injuries. You're going to have guys that struggle. You're going to have guys that just absolutely take over a job and, you know, have a stranglehold on it. Um, I think early on in the year you have some tough lineup decisions, but ultimately you saw this year he got a nine that clicked and worked and he stuck with it. And that's what you're always trying to do at the beginning of the year. Um, and one thing he's really good about is giving guys opportunities to win a job, whether, whether you're the opening day guy or not. Um, and not to make it about myself, I hate doing that, but I didn't throw the first weekend in 21 at Georgia, Georgia Southern. My first outing was a midweek game. I got a start because Chad Dallas had lat soreness on Friday against Georgia state. Um, I went seven innings in that start, got, Bumped to Saturday after uh, Jackson Leith went down. Um, so I started, went back to the pin for a week, and then back to the starting role when Dallas came back. I was in the Saturday and never looked back. So stuff like that kind of happens every single year, and it works itself out. But you're right. When you have – hopefully you don't have a lot of egos, but it's it's inevitable to have some. Um, so if you're a guy who feels like you should be in the lineup and should be playing a certain position – Go win that job and we won't have any problems. But um, I think, you know, when you're losing, it's easy to point fingers and it's easy to feel tension. But when you're winning and the people that are playing certain positions are doing really, really well, it's kind of hard to have a sour face or a fat lip because it's like, what would you do differently? You know, if we're, if we're steamrolling everybody. And so I think it kind of takes care of itself when you, when you give guys opportunities and, and people um, take over jobs kind of just by, by performing well. Yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll be as quick as I can about this. I, I, I think it's, you're going to have some flare ups anytime you've got a, a, a kind of a, a room full of alphas who are all trying to win at the highest level. You're going to butt heads. You're going to have some issues. That's totally fine. I mean, a team that doesn't fight ever is a team that doesn't really care about each other. I think, um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have little things throughout the year, and that's fine. But I think what is important is, as Will said, winning off the bat sort of soothes most problems. It doesn't fix everything, but it fixes most things probably. Uh, but what you can do is, is to prepare for that in the offseason. Everybody's going their own way right now. You got the Team USA guys, you've got guys playing summer ball, they're all over the country. When everybody gets back together, you start building that as quickly as you can. Uh, you know, like like Tennessee this year, they had like a sometime early in the year, or whatever, they had a couple of cookouts or something and they helped to get to know each other a little better. And they for whatever reason they things got better after that. I don't know if they're connected or not. We'll never know. But w- let's do do those in the fall. 
also do do those before the season starts like whoever those older guys when they come back because teams are kind of two teams with pitching staffs and then position players but they're also kind of one team i think it's kind of interesting how that goes because they're with each other so much but the guys who are supposed to be the 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 leaders of this bench going into the offseason you know the guys who need to take a step forward in that way burke Moore, i think ensley is a guy who has a lot of leadership potential if he'll use it those guys need to be organizing that stuff they need to be don't just don't just know each other when you're in there working you know get to know each other a little bit better not just your roommate get out and talk to guys become a family as quickly as you can because you're going to sink or swim together and the quicker you can get on the same page together, the easier it becomes to get through things. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to have competition. There's going to be awkward moments, but uh, it's really, really incumbent on those those guys, the the Drew Beams and you know Connells and and Seacrest, and then the the three position players I just mentioned. Those guys need to do a bang up job when everybody gets back together. Of kind of let's not just see each other when we're in the facility, guys. It's got to be more than that. Yes, and hopefully for their sake, that's a lesson that they learned this past season. Yes, uh, because they they literally just went through all of that. So it's it's been a fascinating off season for Tony Vitello and Tennessee baseball, showing no signs of slowing down. We've got the draft coming up on Sunday night, uh, the first round that is, and then I believe the what's on Monday. What rounds are Monday? Was it two and three or something like that? Two three two through right. two through ten. And then That's the right. last day yeah. through twenty. Yeah, two, three. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Mr. Heflin, uh, former MLB draft prospect, knows um, better than us. Uh, so, we'll and then the, the, final, the final day is still just listening to a conference call. That's 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 the funniest day to me is you're just sitting there and every thirty seconds like and with two seventy nine the Tampa Bay Rays you know it just like it just goes on and it's sort of interesting how it goes from like this big huge production to like uh, it's everyone's just hooked into a like a phone. Well, I'll I'll be in the Bahamas on Tuesday, so uh, y'all enjoy listening to, to that conference call and, and watching the, the tweets come across. But uh, we do have plenty of baseball content up, up at the site. I mentioned earlier, just recorded a interview with Griffin Merritt. That'll come out Friday morning. Uh, we still have the podcast from earlier in the week, reacting to Ryan Galaney committing and the Lindsey Nelson Stadium renovations. Uh, and then obviously this one will be out or, around five or six on, on Thursday. So three podcasts to listen to this week on top of the three that we did last week. Uh, there's also a story up on why Dalton Bargo picked Tennessee uh, and a story that will be up by the time that this podcast is posted uh, about Dalton Bargo not shying away from the competition as well. So it's been a fun couple of weeks keeping up with Tennessee baseball's offseason, and we will continue to have coverage. I will be on a cruise the next several days for about the next week or so, so I'll, I'll kind of be in and out passing along information as I get it and as best as I can on a cruise ship. Um, but obviously, Wes will be helping and contributing as well and, and helping cover the, cover the draft. And uh, we'll reconvene late next week to uh, react to the Vols and, and where they got drafted. And also if, if Tennessee picks up another transfer, because you just never know with Mr. Vitello. And also, I want to do I want to say this as well. Josh Elander deserves as much credit. Absolutely. As, as, Absolutely. It, as Tony. Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, there's there's just no doubt about that. Uh, you talk to Cannon Peebles, Dalton Bargo, Ryan Galaney. They're talking. They mentioned Elander before they mentioned Vitello. Uh, that, that's how great of a job uh, Coach Elander is doing. So, uh, Will, appreciate you go win some baseball games this weekend. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Um, and Elander is a rock star. That's no question. But thanks, guys. Go Vols. And Wes, appreciate you, my friend. Anytime. I am going to probably get this up. But I don't know if I'll have time to go to daycare. Um, I think I'll have to do this and then or go pick up the kid and then come back and do this because of time. But uh, I will get it up as soon as I, I can this afternoon or this early this evening for sure. For West Rucker and Will Heflin, I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Diamond Balls podcast on GoBalls247.com. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the GoBalls247 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 
on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Vols fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.